0: Nice to see you all this morning. Hope you've had a good week. It's actually nice to see Billy sitting still. He's usually on a Friday night nutmegging me with a football and scoring past me. So I'm glad he's stationary for uh, at least half an hour. Um, this morning, I'd like us to think about. We've got our PowerPoint. App, our spiritual dashboard. I'd like us to take some time to think about. Our spiritual dashboard. And a good question at this point for you to be asking is, what is a spiritual dashboard? And that is a good question. Well, in driving your car, your dashboard helps you monitor your vehicle. It has instruments to show you your speed and distance. It has warning lights that come on to indicate if something is wrong. And our spiritual dashboard does exactly the same thing, but in our relationship with our Lord Jesus. It helps us monitor our speed and direction. It has warning lights that come on to indicate if something is wrong. Our car dashboard works by the battery and an array of sensors throughout the vehicle um, that come back to the dashboard to to give us information. Our spiritual dashboard works in a similar way. It works by the Holy Spirit, it works by God's Word, it works by prayer, and it works by being part of a community of God's people. All of those things feeding back to us how we're doing in our walk with the Lord and giving us warning signals when things are not right. And today I'd like us to focus on three warning lights in particular. So a little test for you. Anyone tell me what that light means if it comes up on your dashboard? You may not have exactly that one on yours. Any ideas? <laughs> yeah, some cars it means cool mechanic quick on other cars. Yeah. Time for a service. How about this one? Yeah, so that's your coolant or water temperature. Um, to, And if that comes on, you know need to stop and check your coolant level if you keep going. uh, Your car's going to overheat and very likely seize up your engine. How about this one? This is more recent now. We never used to have those. That's right. What does that warn you of? Yeah? Yeah, that's right. Weather conditions. Ice on the road. And If you don't respond and drive cautiously, you may end up uh, having an accident it warns you that the weather conditions are not good and on our spiritual dashboard i'd like us to represent these particular three warning lights those three and think about them in this way the service light i'd like to call our pride warning light the coolant light i'd like to call our failure warning light and Frost light, I'd like to think of as our opposition warning light. And these are the three lights I'd like to think about. So the first light is our pride light or service light. If you'd like to turn to Philippians chapter 2, or you can listen if you want to. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement for being united with Christ In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant of being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God. Father. So in whatever circumstance, we are to imitate Christ's humility. When pride takes over and we begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, then through the Spirit, God's Word, prayer, the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ, our pride light should come on. It should light up clear. It should tell us something is not right with your Christian life. You're suffering from pride. You need to stop. You need to take yourself before your Lord. You need to have a spiritual service. And you need to come back with humility uh, in your spiritual life. And if we ignore that pride warning light just as if we ignore the service light on our car, we're at real risk of doing damage to our relationship with Jesus and to our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ and those around us. The second light, uh, our coolant light, I've called our failure light. We don't really like to talk about failure, but uh, it's something that we all face in our Christian life walk from time to time. 1 John 1, 5-10, if you'd like to turn there, says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. has no place in our lives. While we are forgiven our sins, the battle against sin, as we all know, in our lives continues throughout our our earthly life. We continue to battle with it. And sometimes we fall into sin. And when this happens, when we fail in our walk with Jesus and fall into sin, our failure warning light should light up brightly in our hearts and minds. Again, through our sensitivity to the Spirit's work in us, through his word, through those around us, through our prayer lives, we should know when we're in sin, that light should light clearly in our lives. Indicating that we need to stop. We need to get rid of that sin, whatever it is, out of our lives. Confess to our Lord ask for forgiveness, put ourselves right with Jesus and others before we carry on. And if we don't, we're in serious danger, just if we don't, as if we don't stop the car and check when that coolant light comes on. We're in serious dangers of losing power and effectiveness in our walk with the Lord. And if we continue to drive in seizing our spiritual engine altogether and wrecking our whole relationship with Christ and with those around us we need to respond to that failure when there's sin in our lives recognizing it and getting rid of it out of our lives and finally uh, our weather warning light is our opposition light john 15 is our passage to have a quick read off here john chapter 15 verses 18 to 20 And it says this, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Bit of a warning there. If the world really loves you and is always nice to you, then have got to start asking questions. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute persecute you also. And 33 of 16 says, In this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. When we face opposition and hatred from the world, this warning lamp should come on and remind us of these words of Jesus, that just as he faced opposition and hatred, so shall we. This warning light lets us know that we need to adjust our speed and drive differently, more cautiously, more more aware of the dangers that are around us. And the same when we face spiritual opposition. If we don't recognize this, if we, accept, if we expect Christian life to be easy with no troubles and no opposition from the world around us, then when it hits us, it's a bit like hitting black ice, and it's easy to spin off the road and crash out altogether. Too many new Christians come to faith thinking that they're joining this carefree life with no troubles anymore. Part of the problem with prosperity gospel, as they call it. And then when troubles come, it makes no sense. It must be something I'm doing wrong, whatever it might be. And their warning light doesn't work. So these three warning lights, pride light, failure light, weather light, should be installed and working on our spiritual dashboards really early in our Christian lives. As part of our discipleship when we become a Christian, making sure these lights are understood and working. My daughter's learning to drive at the moment. She needs to understand those lights on the car, so if they come on, she knows what to do. In the same way, when you become a new Christian, you need to understand these lights well. But not just new Christians, we need reminding, don't we, throughout our Christian journey of these lights and what they mean so that we can be checking them and so when they come on in our lives, we know what to do. That brings us to our passage for today. Luke chapter 22, verses 24 to 38. So Jesus has spent uh, three or so years discipling these 12 men and many others, but particularly focusing on these at the Last Supper, that's who was there, teaching them through word and action what it means to follow him, what it means to be part of his kingdom. And these past few chapters, you probably know, as you've gone through, that teaching has intensified as Jesus knows, the disciples don't really understand it yet, and verse 37 tells us in Luke 22, what is it written about him is about to reach its fulfillment. Uh, and as we read through this passage now, what I'm hoping is that you will recognize these three lights. You will see Jesus doing one final check on these three warning lights with his 12 disciples, making sure they are installed and working before he must leave them and go to the cross for our sins. They are soon going to have to drive solo. Without Jesus there as he has been, bodily With them, they'll obviously have, like we have, the Holy Spirit and um, the word which comes from the apostles' teaching at that point and uh, each other, but they're not going to have Jesus there in bodily form as they had. So he wants to make sure that these warning lights are working in their lives and that when they come on, the disciples know how to respond rightly. For it seems, and I think it probably is true, that pride... Failure through sin and opposition are the greatest dangers the disciples are about to face and that we continue to face in our Christian walk. So as we read through, I wonder if uh, you're brave enough. You might be willing to put your hand up or something when you recognize the particular warning light that matches what we're reading. That would be really cool. So verse 24, so they're at, just in case you haven't been here, they're at the Lord's, uh, the, the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus has um, broken the bread with them and the wine and introduced that what we call communion these days that we celebrate. He's just told them that one of them is going to betray him and that he knows who that is. And as all of that is happening, as Christ is about to go to the cross, the disciples are... In a dispute about who is the greatest. Also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Ah, Darren, good man. See, which light do you think that might be? Going for the pride light. Yeah, good man. So yeah, so this, these verses, verses 24 to 30, Jesus is just pointing out to the disciples the pride light. So also a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. The greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom just as my Father conferred one on, conferred one on to me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the disciples are about to take up the leadership of Jesus' church, yet they still have not understood that it is not about position and power. It's about service, serving God and serving his people. Uh, Verse 24, as we've read, they're still arguing about who is the greatest, even at this last meal with Jesus. They need to be aware of their pride light, and Jesus is reminding them of what it means but it's about service, not position and power. Carry on reading. Feel free again to put your hand up and see when you might see the next slide. Simon, Simon, Satan to ask to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Was that a hand, Kim? Yeah, which one? Failure, Failure. well done. So the failure light. But he replied, Lord... I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times, deny three times that you know me. Um, Verse 60 and 62 is a wonderful example of the failure light working and the driver recognizing it and stopping and putting it right. If you have a quick look at verse 60, Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. That's the third time he's denied Jesus. Just as he was speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then listened to these words. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows today, you'll disown me three times. He went outside and wept bitterly. The lights come on. Peter realizes that he's fallen into sin, that he has failed. But I don't know if you noticed that not only does Jesus warn Peter in the passage we've read, he warns someone else that they're about to fail too. If you look uh, in verse twenty two just back a little bit, verse twenty oh, chapter twenty two, verse twenty one, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. And at that moment, Judas knows that Jesus knows it's him. And actually, Jesus is giving Judas a chance, just as he's giving Peter a chance. Jesus is telling Judas, I know you are going to betray me. And the result of that betrayal is that you will be lost. Judas has the opportunity, just like Peter, to recognize the warning light, to stop and not go through with what he is planning to do. But unlike Peter, he doesn't listen. Unlike Peter, he doesn't stop, turn off the engine, sort himself out, and then carry on as he should. He fails completely. There's an interesting word there, The devil has asked to sift you as wheat, and God still allows the devil to sift his people like wheat to show who are the true followers of Jesus Christ. When the warning light comes on for Paul, he recognized it. He confessed his sin. Later on, you'll you'll read this as you go through, and he was restored, and God was able to use him greatly. But when the warning light came on for Judas, he ignored it, and he showed himself to be what he was, not a true follower of Jesus Christ. How we respond to our failure light, how we respond to sin when we fall into it, shows our true colors, shows whether we really are true followers of Jesus or not. And finally, to the weather light. Verse uh, 36, he said to them, but now if you have a purse, oh sorry, verse 35, I'll start there. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out, when I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it. And also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you, this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples, clearly understanding what Jesus said not, said, see, Lord, we have two swords. Jesus says, not that is enough swords, but guys, you're just not getting it. That's enough. Let's get out of here. So the disciples, it seems, reading behind the text Thought they would soon be carefree in the world, just like when Jesus sent them out before. No worries about money, no worries about food or possessions or oppositions once Jesus is king. In these verses, Jesus explains, it's not going to be like that, guys. It's going to be brutal and tough. You'll face great opposition and you need to be equipped to face it. That's what he's talking about with the swords and things. You need to be ready to face it. And John 16, 1-4, just gives us a Jesus sort of setting it out a bit more clearly. Verse 16, 1. All this I have told you is so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. And then listen, verse 4. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. But now I'm not going to be with you. And when this happens, you need to remember. When this opposition light comes on, you need to remember that I am with you. And the disciples, as you read on, you'll see they they did. Just a quick illustration of that. I went to Columbia on a trip a few years ago to encourage the church there uh, with an, with a, as a team that were being persecuted. And um, 30 pastors had been killed that year so far by the Colombian rebels. And we went to meet and hear the stories of the families who had lost these pastors, children who had lost their parents. It was heartbreaking just hearing these Christians. But the most heart, maybe the most heartbreaking moment for me was in a stadium on the Sunday, uh, hearing a preacher get up, Um, ask three people from the audience to bring, they were all wearing suits like me this morning, bring up their three suits. He took off their jackets and said, okay, when you become a Christian, first thing you can expect is peace, and then grab the other jacket, then you get prosperity, and then the other jacket, um, something else. So how did that match up to these families I've just been talking to, who were Christians, but had just lost their father's and mother's because they love the Lord Jesus. The pastor was telling them stuff that wasn't true. And that's where, um, if Christians start their journey believing that, when when the trouble comes, obviously, they don't recognize this light, and they spin out of control. So I guess this morning has been a good opportunity to check our spiritual dashboard, to make sure it's connected to the Holy Spirit, to God's word, to prayer, and to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to double-check these three important warning lights of pride, failure, and opposition. And maybe this morning, as you've listened, you realize that one of those lights is on for you in your life at the moment. Maybe you've recognized pride that shouldn't be there. Maybe there is a sin in your life at the moment you know of. Maybe you're facing opposition. You're thinking, I'm a Christian. God loves me. How can I be going through tough times? Well, I hope you'll stop after today, pause for a moment, and consider what Jesus said about these three particular things and be able to uh, pay attention to them and do what you need to do to enable those lights to go off and to continue walking with your Lord. I hope that's helpful.